If you have an interest in horses and love learning more about horses, the horse industry, teaching, or even managing your own horse business, then you're in the right place. We would love you to join us on our mission, which is to improve the lives of horses around the world through the education of riders, handlers, and trainers. So get comfortable, listen in, and enjoy. Today's chat's been brought to you by International Horse College. International Horse College's motto is people safety and horse welfare, and you'll find this message throughout our chats. Registered Training Organisation number 31352. Today on Horse Chats, our guest is a repeat guest. It's Tanya Harding, and Tanya's been on before. If you'd like to go back and find out a bit more about it, just go to horsechats.com, search for Tanya Harding, that's T-A-N-I-A, or just search for Tanya or search for Harding, and you'll be able to find her. Now, Tanya, how are you today? Yeah, very good. Thanks, Lorna. Thanks for having us back on. Oh, that's okay. Always a pleasure. No worries, and, and we love having you back as well. Now, Tanya, earlier on today, you were telling me about a balloon, and you were sort of giving a bit of a metaphor of blowing up a balloon and a horse and their challenging behaviour. But what you're talking about today, 10 signs that your horse really isn't coping with their environment. You tell us a little bit more about why you chose that particular subject. Yeah, look, it was something that was sort of coming up as a repetitive um, observation, um, point discussion that was coming up at clinics. Um, and it was sort of uh, identifying um, just when, and reading your horse's body language, um, whether it be you're inspecting a, a horse uh, for sale, um, whether it was going to suit you, whether you're attending a, a lesson at a venue, attending a clinic in like a group situation where the horse wasn't as familiar, all going to a competition. And there's sort of sign of, I don't know quite what went wrong, but all of a sudden he just exploded or he just lost the plot. And so I think, well, the horses generally don't just lose the plot. They, they give you signs. Some of, them, some of them are subtle signs and some of them are more patent. So I sort of use a bit of a, a bit of a metaphor with a balloon and um, – if the balloon is completely deflated, at the, you know, the, the ride has no energy and it's quite dull. And it's good to put some air into it and, and have it, but it's, it's manageable. Um, it's well within the limits and the ride is very enjoyable. Once the horse starts to feel uncomfortable, he sort of expands and puts more air into it and there's more there's tension there and it can be overinflated. And um, it's generally at this stage, you see, People around you are becoming a bit more nervous about the behaviour of your horse, how it's interfering with theirs, your intensity. If the balloon bursts, then we have that horse that's out of control. So what we're trying to do is realise when the balloon is starting to get overexpanded and see if we can actually deflate it and get the horse to, to do that for you or you've got some strategies involved to actually do it. But we're sort of just at the beginning of identifying some signs um, that this is what's happening to you. He doesn't wait to just explode. He's actually trying to tell you some things. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. So today we've got those signs, and I think those signs are really important. And I think you, you've said before that, you know, every horse is different and they might show up in slightly different ways, but basically they're the signs that they're going to give you. I'm thinking of a balloon, you know, a really flat tyre that's just flat, and then you said you want that little bit of air in them. You want that little bit of a bounce and bit of energy, but you don't want them so bouncy that you're either popping off or else, yeah, the whole thing's going to explode. Yeah, so I think that's a good metaphor, yeah, that balloon. You, you, yeah, you want that energy, but you need the relaxation um, yes. so that the horse can learn. 
and that they, you know, you're still the herd leader and the ride's enjoyable. Once, mm. you know, the horse is starting to take over the ride or um, is not looking towards you at all as, as the leader of the ride, then um, the ride becomes less enjoyable and, um, you know, more interesting for you to try and navigate. Yeah, yeah. What's the first sign then that you look at? Um, the first one we're going to look at is sort of the more blatant, obvious, um, and I sort of see it most of all. So I take it as you buy it somewhere um, or you're seeing a horse that, you know, the first time and it's tied up and that and you're inspecting it. But it's generally whether the horse has control of its feet. So if you're unloading it and you go to tie it up and it can't stand still, like it, it is moving, it's fidgeting, it's pouring, all those sorts of little signs that it's isn't able. You can sort of ask it to stand, and there's various ways of doing this. But if if it's not got control of its feet, you know before you start then that this horse isn't as relaxed as what we want. Um, it can be also when you're on. Um, is the horse walking with a flat foot, or is he sort of putting his feet down very quickly across the ground and almost scooching across the ground? Mm-hmm. You know those look very. Oh no, he was good. He was walking along on a loose train. But he was just walking, and he was walking quite quickly. And I find this so off the track. It's like they're led a lot of the places that they go. They have a leader that takes them around the parade ground. They get led off another horse if they go out on the track, and they're a bit hard to handle. They get led behind barriers. So the only time that they're not in that sort of situation is when they, they're galloping. Yep. Um, yep. So it's how he how he uses his feet. Um, if you you know he is unsettled, and you unhook and say right, you know. I want you to work a little bit or I want you to stand still. Are you able to have control of where those feet actually go? So are you able to stand or are you able to move across the side? Or if he's moving around in a circle, is he actually working and, you know, doing that inside hind leg forward and underneath and having to engage his hind and actually use his brain? Or is he just sort of flitting around the circle on you? Yep, yep, yep. These are are the more obvious things for that pretty, you know, and they are, these are the blades that your horse is there yep. that you haven't got control, yeah? So you've got control of feet for number one and control of feet stillness for number two. Do you want to talk about the difference yeah. between the two? So one is whether you can get the feet to actually go where you want them. Um, and I look at that as four individual legs. Okay. Um, yep. If I want him to stand or whether I want him to other is the control of feet. Is it is the horse when it's left to its own devices able to keep them still? Mm-hmm. You know, that as simple as that. Yep, yep. <laughs> um, or can he not there? He's going to move forward, or he's got to come into your space, or does he want to walk off and eat grass somewhere else, or does he want to walk around the circle? You know, those sorts of things. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they're the difference of the two, even yeah. though they still come under that sort of same heading for me. All right, then. Yeah. The next thing you've got, number three, is the position of the pole. And you've got, you know, is it well above the wither? Is it equivalent to the wither, same level, or is it below the wither? Yeah, this is a really nice indicator for relaxation. Even when the horse is sort of working, a horse naturally is generally pole equal with wither for most Mm -hmm. when they're really relaxed. If you're watching through a, a field or a paddock and they're just moving through the herd, um, that's what you'll generally see. When they become alert, the pole goes up, okay, and, and they're looking at the Australians. Back to that natural flight and fight. So the horse is, is naturally a fight animal. Yep. Um, so if, he, if 
you're wanting him to work and he has this whole uplifting heart. He's not looking to you for instruction at that stage. He's busy assessing his own environment. Mm. And he, if you ask, and I come down to this, so there's a few things that sort of intertie here. We go through the list, not necessarily about one on its own, but accumulation of four or five is starting to tell you you are going along to your balloon getting fuller. One yep. on its own can be, you know, um, worked on and fixed and, and not be necessarily a big issue. But when you've got three or four of these coming together, then you're starting to get yourself a scenario that you're getting a horse that isn't going as relaxed as what you need to, to get learning and to get performance. Okay, okay. Yeah, and generally if I ask, you know, your horse to go long and lower, his pole will come down below the width. This might be in your warm-up or going along. And I see some people go, oh, I've just got on. I have to warm up. He has to go long and low. He has no intention at the order. So they're like, I'm on a loose range. He will go long and low. No, he won't. And it's just acknowledging it, you know, saying, okay, so at this point he's not there at all. I'm going to have to use a different strategy Um, rather than just persisting on um, and then the horse starts to take in a different environment. We might become more anxious, might start showing other indications with with where they're not coping. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And then that increases their anxiety. Yeah. They come in, so I'm generally looking that when I go to get on the horse, mm-hmm. the neck should be nice and level. He shouldn't want to walk off. His feet should be nice and under control and stationary. I should be able to get on. I don't need a tight rein contact. Yes, I'll have contact, but not tight or anything like that. And the horse just stands. You feel you do whatever you need to do to get yourself organised. And when you're ready, the aid goes on and the horse walks off. Okay. Rather Good. than the horse dictating. So those are sort of general things of when you go on. Yep. So if you're at a competition and your horse, you these things are installed at home. So if you go to a competition or you're going away to a clinic or somewhere different and you pull your horse out and you suddenly him up, he's a bit fidgety and then you go to get on and you don't stand still, his neck's a bit tight. Well, there's three things that are telling you your horse isn't as he normally is. Yes. And he, he's finding himself. In an area. So that's where I'm saying things are sort of coming together. Yep, yep. Yeah. All right. Now, the next thing you've got here is the breathing. And we often talk about as riders we get nervous, but the horse's breathing. You've got shallow, holding, deep and slow. What are we looking for and what's the difference there? Deep and slow. So, you know, a nice, relaxed horse, learning, taking in information, deep and slow is very easy. Um Hot-blooded horses tend to hold more, are prone to holding and just blocking their ribs. Sometimes it's just that they're, they're working and trying to understand you, but they hold their breath on you. And I find that, yeah, the, the thoroughbreds are more prone to that. And then the shallow is just like for us. When we're more of a flight mode, so does we have a more heightened reaction and breathing becomes, it doesn't become that nice. Like, and so the um, chemical release that happens encourages the horse to go more into flight mode. So we work that the horse, you have to either in place a strategy at home where you can encourage them to come back into breathing. And sometimes that may be just you needing to breathe. Your your nervousness or your pattern will go through to your horse. So you're finding yourself nervous about the day, that will automatically go through to your horses. So keeping your breathing on a nice, deep, regular rhythm 
or I help your boss to also do the same mm-hmm. as you come in. Yeah. yeah. Um, so a couple of things that come into this is also ear movement. So I always like to watch, and it's probably one of my most subtle but definite when I'm riding. I always check if I think the horse is going to lose a bit of concentration, maybe worried about something else, I'll just do a squeeze of the leg or a rein. It's only the inside ear that will flick back to the rider. So I don't mind if they're going along and the horse is looking at something. It's Something has caught its eye. I'm not very sure about it. I might just do a squeeze my inside rein. The outside ear can stay on what has their attention, but the inside ear will come back. If that happens, I'm quite happy. I'm quite content with that horse that although something's caught his attention, he's well aware that I'm still there. I'm still giving him instruction. He can assess that, but keep going as we're going. If um, both ears have gone forward after the squeeze and both ears stay, stay forward, I know that I've lost that mm. interaction. Yep. He's shut me out for the moment. He's looking at something else. I need to get remind him, hey, I'm back here on board. You need to listen to me. Yes, you can look at that for a second, but you've got to have one back to me as well mm-hmm. as mm-hmm. you're going out. So generally, direct board, stiff ears, not so happy. Lobbed ears, both the old floppy ears, nice and relaxed. Horses as happy as Larry, very relaxed, very easy going generally horse, happy as Larry with that. So I look for that inside, outside ear. I don't mind if they, they go, as long as that generally that ear comes back to me just to cue in that yes they're there they're ready for what I want um they haven't fully lost their, their focus on what they're doing at the time yeah yep. going in. so I find that the ear movement is a nice subtle way of just checking where the horse is it's before you've got you know it's just when things are starting to go it can be and it can ha- change very quickly so it can be cut your attention remind the horse back here oh yes got you excellent off we go again mm. done deal Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, before things go any further. If you're an equestrian coach or a horse riding instructor, or even if you aspire to be one, have a look at the free video series for horse riding instructors on the Horse Chats website. Go there now. Have a look. Horsechats.com. You talked earlier about breathing, and then I think you've got the release of tension through breathing. So how would you see that release of tension through the breathing? Yeah, now these these things that I taught in a really controlled and safe environment. Yep. So I will go to a competition and go, oh, hang on, my horse lost. I'm just going to start implementing this stuff. And it's a bit hard to do it over a bit of a podcast. But from groundwork, um, using uh, an inner circle, getting horses to step through, getting them to soften through their neck, it's transferred then into riding work. So when I'm riding, the horses are, are, are familiar with the exercises on the ground. Then they come into the rain. So if they've stopped breathing or they're holding their breath as such or they're shallow and they're getting hot and finding mm-hmm. the work tension, I'll go into sort of lateral work. It may be what I call um, to shut them down. So they might come into a small circle. I'll just ask them, given them the, the from the ground, what they understand is that they just need to stop. Yep. When they've got a lot of control of the situation, they don't stop. They just sort of keep going, slow down, slow down. When they're really responsive to it, they just go in mind, they go, oh, yeah, and they'll come back to the, the halt very quickly. Mm-hmm. But this isn't something that you just go and do, oh, hang on, I'm now at a clinic, I'll go do it yes. now. It's back at the horse understands the skill. Um, 
But generally, because they know that, I can usually use this in exercise like shoulder forearm, a little bit of lateral work. Just ask them to move through their ribs. That will mm-hmm. often be a nice cue for them to remind them as they come in. Um, and sometimes if they're not, if they're finding it very difficult. I had one the other day, for example, who went to an egg show and they had some interesting sideshows that this horse hadn't seen. He's seen general sideshows. He's well-campaigned horse, um, but he hadn't seen these particular, and he was finding it quite challenging. Yep. Um, so he, he, he came to to hold. I just had his neck bent, and he was like, no, I am definitely staying here. <laughs> just allow the time. Don't just leave it and go off. Just allow the time to process. Anyway, I can't hold it any longer. <laughs> okay, <laughs> I can deal with it. Yep. So, yeah, they're just sort of walk away. Sometimes, it, you know, allow the time to happen and then reward him when he has actually taken that breath because you're teaching him to, like a human, not all of them are good at coping in different situations. Um, public speaking, for example. So we teach people strategies for them to be able to cope in those situations. We need to do the same with our horses Yes, as we go along. So that's what we do, teaching them how to release their tension um, through their body. So, and this is a, a next part, but releasing tension through the body. The two sort of working together. So often when the horses are get stiff through their body, stiff through their ribs, stiff through their neck, you can generally think that the breathing is also not as you want it. So they work as a bit of a partnership. Hmm. So again, full circle, generally the bending will encourage the breathing and then the thinking. But if the pole is up, then you've got another indicator. So all these things, like the, you, you haven't got the ear will wipe the back, they've gone rigid through the neck, they're not wanting to turn, they're holding their breath. You know that your horse is really not coping. Um, and that's as far as it is. Before you get to bounding and rearing and running backwards, all of those very obvious disgruntled behaviours, um, there's all these little ones happening generally beforehand mm. as you go in. Yep. So, yeah, they are the ones that I really like to use. If I can work from the groundwork and then you can bring in, you can generally start to use your breathing, your ear movement, the control of the feet, how they're going. Um, and we've got one more to cover, which is the responsiveness to the aid. If you can get those, hopefully you're not going down to all those other bad behaviours that you see sometimes exhibited where there's rearing or kicking out or running sideways or, you know, Prancing, dancing, sort of behaviour. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah. What about the positive responses? What should we be looking for if we feel like we've got the situation under control? The horse is going well. What can we be looking for there? Yeah, these are really important because they're your indication that your horse is trying to process the information. And I come back to groundwork, I guess, with these um, things that you're going to see. I found in the face, his ears, his eyes, his lips nostrils. So as you know, I'm saying, oh, well, I'm going to be riding, but as I come around to the groundwork, um, the, as you said, the, the relaxed nature, and the bit, they're moving, they're not locked onto one thing and rigid. Um, as I sit back, you might be standing to lift the hand and the ear automatically responds. So the horse is nice and relaxed. You make a command, whether it's a, by a hand movement or a voice or a rein, and the ear flicks towards you. Fantastic. Generally, when your eyes, if they're popping, you can see the whites of the eyes, or you're wanting the horse to say look left or bend, 
but I is on the left side is actually looking to the right. Like yep. he's not really wanting to be submissive to what you're asking. So that's telling you he's not there. When the horse is actually being positive, his eye might take on a more sleepy look or the the eye what we call the eye softens. Mm-hmm. Um, so he's more looking at you, he looks the eyelid relaxes, um, and he turns his head, his tail towards you. Um, often if he's all slow, I'm not doing this, I'm holding my breath, I'm going. Once he starts to come and he's thinking, he'll lick his lips. And before he might get there, you might see the little quiver just between the lip and the nostril. That little skin there will go very fine little vibration, okay? And the horse is starting to try and come to your side of the thing. It's trying to work out what it is that you want. Mm-hmm. And I can sort of, you know, around that nostril area, that lip area, a licking of the lips is a very good one. So if I'm asking a horse to bend his neck, turn his nose towards me, he's like, nope, I'm looking over there. I'll ask him to turn. He might move his feet. I'm like, no, you're just going to bend your neck. He might turn three circles. That's fine. And when he actually goes, okay, I've got my feet still. I'm going to next. I'll roll my arm. I'll lift my lips. And then I'll exhale. I'll breathe. And then he has to get to his neck. You allow him to take his neck back straight. And he gets his reward. Yep. Okay, to bring that. So you've inflated the balloon as such in that scenario. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. But... All of those, that's what I say, they're positive responses to the horse that he's trying to work out what it is and he's responding to you in a positive manner. He's deflating. And that's what we're trying to do. When he's lost control, he's got his head up, he's not breathing how he wants, he's not listening, showing with his ears, he's listening to you. We know the balloon's too big. We've got to try and deflate it. Yep, yep. And come in and, and they're the response he's going to see from the horse generally that it's coming through. Um with it, yeah, those those responses. And even though, Tanya, you've shown the 10 signs, you know, we've got the list of 10 signs for people if they want to go and have a look on horsechats.com under your page, which would be yeah. Tanya Harding too. You've jumped around a bit, but, but you have to jump around a bit when you're riding because they're not going to just present themselves in that order. They're going to be not. in different orders. They are going and to jump around. Bit- yep. It's going to be different scenarios to how your horse reacts to different things, mm-hmm. how it's feeling on that day, yep. how you're riding as a rider and the feel that that horse is getting. And, yeah, they're there as 10. They're not in a, this is a format one, two, three, four, five. And as I said, one on its own is fine. You know, it, you know, it might just be always oh, a little hot today. It's okay. But, we, you know, I do a little bit of lateral work and he's fine with it. I've done touch. No, I can handle that. It's when you're getting three, four, and five different little things coming together. So you see, so think, hang on a minute. If I don't address it now, yes, it's going to escalate, and mm. that's what we're trying to get away from. And so it's starting to, it's just identifying that, so you don't end up at the point. I don't know what happened. He just went off his head mm. <laughs> um, mm. to go, and that's what we don't want. We don't want people having that, that scenario going in. Yeah. Um, the same as if you're going to look at a horse. I hear people going, well. You know, and people are very good when they, they sell horses. Mm. Um, one reason, they have their own routine. The horses are in their own environment generally. Um, and if you don't know what the questions are or what you're actually looking for as you're going, in, in some of the ways, I've seen some very lovely people going with the horses and you're like, yes, it was always cross-tied. And they get home and it doesn't need it. It's only used to being cross-tied and they've got a problem with it being tied singularly. Yep. But if you're just aware of it, that's all. 
um, it can make your life a lot easier um, and more enjoyable. And I said, like, you can look at it and go, okay, well, I've looked at this horse. It's a beautiful horse. It has the most brilliant bling. You know, I wanted it for a show hack. I wanted to do this. These are some of the things that did while that person was on it. Yep, okay, they're three or four. I'm willing to take that. I reckon I've got the skills to work with that. Or yes. you might say, look, it's five or six on the little list. Maybe it's the horse for me in 12 months' time with someone else doing something with it. I've got those skills. I've got the facilities. I can do that. Or maybe no, I'm just this isn't the horse for me. And I think that's time to be realistic, isn't it? It's time to be realistic as a rider and also to listen to your coach because your coach should have a good idea of what you're capable of and a good eye for the horse that is going to be suitable for you. And it's generally an objective third party to the conversation. Mm-hmm. And generally the, the buyer and the seller, uh, well, you generally the buyer becomes emotionally involved because they've seen it and they like it or they whatever. Yes. But you, your coach is usually, yeah, a, a, an objective third party for you. Mm-hmm. Um and hopefully they'll be honest and hopefully they can say, well, look, you're going to have these hassles, but, yeah, we can do it, or, look, no, probably not the best yep, <laughs> for you. Yep, yep, there's easier horses <laughs> around. Yeah, yeah. 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 And, look, there's, there's the skills that I've talked about, there's, um, they're not being able to teach. You need to teach the horses um, control of their feet, um, their positioning, the pole. All that that I usually start in groundwork. It's not being put across on this podcast, mm-hmm. but there are many people out there who do it. If you're interested in doing it, go do your research, um, look for it, then get the skills into action, um, and then yeah, you're right. You know, make your way through, yeah, um, yeah. and to enjoy your competition more. <laughs> yes, yes, yes. Okay. All right, look, I think, you know, as I said, the skills, even though we've got the signs listed in order, they're not in order. It's the whole overview, look at the horse, and you can go have a checklist to go through, is my horse doing this, 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 but but it could be showing a little bit of this and a little bit of that and in different orders, and and you might be able to fix it in a different order as well. Absolutely, yeah. Yeah. And as I said, like those those sort of the first three sort of more the blatant or obvious indicators where – Seven and eight, four, seven, eight are all the more subtle. Yes. And five, six, and nine are talking about what you're looking for and how you're going to do it, and also the you know releasing the tension of the breathing and things like that. So yeah, yeah. yeah it's it's a whole it's a whole integrated package, if you like. Yeah. Um, rather than you know just do number one and then move on to number two. And Tanya, if people would like to talk to you about this and ask you any questions, they can leave those questions on your page at horsechats.com slash Tanya Harding too. But if they'd like to contact you direct, what's your best contact details? Um, my best contact details are through Facebook and Messenger, um, Tanya Harding, Jerima, J-I-R-R-I-M-A, but generally Tanya Harding will find it, um, P-H, uh, yeah, on Facebook. Um, or I really don't mind just chatting with people over the phone, um, which I think my number's on the horse chat page, I think. Yeah, it will will make sure it goes on the um, on the horse chats page for sure. Yeah, yeah. Okay. That'd be great. No, that, and I, like I said, no, I'm um, 
chat with people. Okay. Look, Tanya, thanks very much for your time. The information you give, hopefully it will save people, you know, buying the wrong horse, getting themselves into a situation where their horse really is blowing up and about to burst. But, you know, we want to catch them before they burst. We want to deflate them and, and just get them back so that they're under control. Yeah, and enjoying themselves. Oh, exactly. We enjoy them and they can enjoy themselves. Yep. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thanks for your time today and hopefully we'll catch up with you again soon. Thanks so much, Glennis. If you've enjoyed this chat, then please comment, rate and subscribe. If you'd like any changes or recommendations for guests, then please contact us through horsechats.com. And while you're online, have a look at the government accredited courses at internationalhorsecollege.com. Registered Training Organisation 31352. Remember that our comments and instructions are general in nature and do not take into consideration your individual horses or your individual ability and circumstances. If you enjoyed this podcast, then please leave your comment below.